0: Okay, thank you everybody for tuning into our Global from Asia podcast, War Stories and the Pandemic. You ready for this, Jan?
1: Yeah, I am, Mike.
0: All right, let's do this. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Micolini. Welcome, everybody, right to the GFA podcast, War Stories. What do you think of that, Jan?
1: Yeah, I've heard many war stories, Mike, but this time we're going to take it to the business
0: level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've been, all of us been through it, the team, the community, everybody, especially in a cross-border business world, you know, with the borders closed, we just had the CBM 2021 and we called it the Broken Border Series. So, you know, I think it's been over a year and a lot of our, a lot of us have been through a lot. So this is the episode I think people have been waiting for.
1: Absolutely,
0: Mike. I, I really think so, too. Yeah. So so actually, it's also, I just mentioned the CBM, Cross-Border Matchmaker. This is actually, this today's content is panel one, and we had some really amazing people helping make this happen, especially our team. I'm really happy, Jan. You've been helping a lot with the community. Camille, LJ, Stephanie, Manly, and just so many others in, in the community.
1: Right. Also we have our GFA VIPs on the panel. We have Catherine Shen, Sam Durad, John Cavendish Rose, Ina Topalovic, David Colucci, Chris Thomas, Luciana Drammer, and Lee, and of course the list goes on. We have we had a lot of on panel one, actually and yeah. not every one of them had the chance to speak for a long time, but I hope next time we can work on that.
0: Yeah, I think I think We're so blessed uh, with amazing experts in the community, you know, that have amazing knowledge to share. I think next time we'll just have to give, I'm thinking we will have to have multiple sessions, more sessions over multiple days, I think is the solution to that, but there's amazing stuff. And on top of our, you know, our team, our community, our members, also our sponsors, we had three great sponsors there, mercury.com, the U S banking solution for international sellers. They've been an ongoing, GFA partner sponsor. You know, as many of you have probably been hearing them in our content over the last months, and also some events bus sponsors. We had goremit.hk, cross border payment in Hong Kong to Southeast Asia and, and China. And we also had e commerce universe, which is Andy Lee's training center for sellers in Southeast Asia, which has been he's so supportive. I mean, he, he shared his knowledge, he's in our membership and community, and he's also a sponsor. So thank you, Andy, for that.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much to our sponsors. Mercury for U.S. Bank Account for International Sellers, E-Commerce Universe for Training for Sellers in Southeast Asia, and GoRemit for Cross-Border Payments from Hong Kong to Asia Locations. Thank yep. you so much.
0: Yeah. So I think uh, we will get into the meat of the episode and we have our first panel as a sourcing experts. Do you want to share who these, we have a We'll link on their on the show notes here at globalfromasia.com slash war stories. You can check their profiles. We have GFA VIP profiles for them in their VIP network. And there's a great group here. Jan, do you wanna just tell everybody who these great people are on this session today?
1: Yes, let's hear war stories from sourcing experts in the topologic. Simon Derat, Ashwang Kongoma, Peg Lobard Watch, Christian Goliardo, and of course Chris Thomas.
0: Yeah, Chris, the Australian seller. Appreciate it. So they're all around the world, really. I mean, they're represented all around the world. And I think let's just jump into the main meat of the episode. And then we call it my, our blah, blah, blah session. We can hear some of these other stories. And the reason why Jan and others in the team have some of my stuff in, in their place. What do you think?
1: All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later <laughs> during okay. the outro. Okay. So let's Great. get into the show now.
0: Let's go. Let's do it and of course thank you to our our ongoing sponsor mercury.com they also sponsor this event at cross border matchmaker it's great service right jen
1: yeah i agree mike even you used it right
0: true yeah we use it in our amazon e-commerce news venture i i couldn't have got an account without them because i i know I'm, i'm an american but our business partner in this joint venture and our major investor is not a u.s citizen so uh traditional banks told me because i have a non-us partner i need to come in person with him and you know we can't go to the us like i can barely get back to china you know we're all locked down so yeah thank you mercury i like to support of course they they did support the show but i also like to promote the the services that we actually use and 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 can put our our checkbox on so thank you mercury we also have a uh bonus for people that use our link at global
2: mercury cool very happy to be here i hope everything is okay uh with everyone all over the world my name is simon i've been uh, based in china for the last 10 years uh, mostly helping international european companies to localize their services finding suppliers, helping them with the logistics, and uh, making sure that we are like facilitating trade. And uh, recently, last year, I joined HyperSQ, which is helping online sellers with their sourcing and shipping from China, which is mainly drop shipping related. So if you're a dropshipper out there and you're looking for a good supplier, just leave me a message, or if you need any help with that, just, or, or tips or advice, just reach out to me, happy to support, and grateful to be part of this uh, GFA community. So yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much
0: and uh, appreciate it. You're also our member, too, so appreciate your support for that. It's really appreciated. Um, Christian, do you want to give us an intro? It would be great to hear from you.
3: Yeah. Hi to everyone. I'm, I'm now in connected from from Chile. I think it's far away. It's 12, 12 hours different, I think. So here's six something in the morning. It's quite early. So early. Time Thank you breath. for waking super yeah, wow. so okay. <laughs> Yeah, I've been working and for connected for e-commerce more than 10 years. Um, I live in Czech Republic in Prague, but for the reason of the pandemic situation, I came to my country. Um, I was supporting more tech company. Um, a European company came to Latin America. Uh, I was running the Go Local Strategy. Um, my expertise is connected for e-commerce, uh, online sales, uh, and how you can uh, roll out your services in, in Latin America, uh, across from Mexico to, to Argentina.
0: Awesome. Nice nice to connect. Yeah, it's been a lot. We've all been adjusting a lot with the, the pandemic. and.
4: Uh, awesome. You? Uh, so yeah, my name is Rico. Uh, I run Source Asia. Um Lived in China for five years from 2014 to 2020, and currently live in Manila in the Philippines. Uh, I planned on being half in China, half in the Philippines. But obviously, COVID happened last year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, uh, my business partner uh, Mike Shearhorn, uh, Mike Macalini. Uh, he originally started the company in 2008, and I joined on and restarted the company as a CEO. And we've grown um, from you know what we were doing before, working out of my apartment in in, in Guangzhou, to having an office with a team all over China and expanding to the Philippines now. So yeah, that's all about me. We deal with a lot of uh, Amazon sellers, a lot of crowdfunding. um, So a lot of original design, longer term projects. Um, Also kind of switching over to a little bit of digital services, like uh, taking a page out of Michael McLeany's book. So that's a little (laughs) bit about me.
0: Thanks, buddy. Great. Yeah, man, we've watched you grow over the years. It's really, it's really great. You're always working so hard. Thanks for that, Rico. Uh, You know, I'm just trying to see who's ready with technical and audio, but it looks like, you is ready. You know, you want to come up You can just give us a quick intro. Yeah, sure. No, no problem.
5: My name is Ino Topalovic. I come from small country in East Europe, Bosnia and Herzegovina. I've been in China since 2014. All well, all that time in EU, where is that uh, famous uh, wholesale market for commodities and uh, since la- last year in past, i have been working in a qc company and uh, si- since last year i started my own business sourcing trading so that's about it
0: okay yeah we we, we want to talk more about that too i mean you've gone through a lot we, you know the ppe and everything too so it's been a lot yes. for you uh, we still have a couple more intros, but I...
6: Okay. So thanks a lot, Mike, for inviting me here. My name is Mekla. I have been in the sourcing industry for um, almost 20 years. Most of my career, I worked with B2B sourcing platform Global Sources. And uh, more recently, I've been focused on helping Amazon and e-commerce sellers source products from India. Um, I organize a sourcing trip to India, as Mike mentioned in the introduction, India sourcing trip, and I also have a Facebook group where I provide information and resources for people to source products from India. So, and I'm currently based in Singapore. So that's about me.
1: Okay, thank you, Magda. Mike, she's ready. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that introduction. Yeah, he can't hear yeah, you.
4: I'm a little bit jealous. Megla was getting like thumbs ups and high fives. <laughs> Come on. This oh. is
1: for you, for Yuri. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I got the title. Oh, there on. they go. There... Right, I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> 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 Okay. Uh, I mean, we're just trying to get to the intros. I, th- I think uh, Chris is here. Is Chris able to come up? I'm not seeing him, but I hope it works. Again, this is our first matchmaker and our first online event. So everybody, thank you for your patience. But I think it's already pretty amazing. We got really great people here, and you know that's what it's all about: is making some connections, making some making some new ideas. And so we have this Google Doc, and we have some people with questions. Um, let's start with the first question I see on the list is from Magla and Simon look like they're interested to answer this. So many of us are weary about putting up a business due to the pandemic right now. We're afraid to get started. Um, you know, based on your experiences, how do you rate, um, how would you decide to do a business or not in this time of uncertainty?
2: Simon, go go for it. You want me to go? Uh, Sure. Yeah. For for me, I think this is this time is actually a great opportunity, and that's actually because whether you are now a service provider, an online seller, or a supplier, many companies are need to make the switch to selling online and communicating online. And this is for a lot of companies is not the normal. A lot of large companies they're not able to make that switch that quickly because suddenly they have to go from offline the mainstream of revenue to an online situation. So the niche has become a mainstream and that has a huge impact, not only on operations, but also on consumer behavior, obviously. And I think as as we all are SMEs, small, medium-sized enterprises looking for opportunities, this is a great opportunity to grab your advantage because there are um, from from opportunity from a business point of view, but also from an operational point of view. When you look at structuring your own business, it is important to realize that when your colleagues are working from home, it doesn't really matter anymore where they're located. Especially when you look at Southeast Asia, tons of opportunities for people that are have language skills and availability, a flexibility to be able to bring your business also to the next level and and grab the opportunity. So for me, I know there's a lot of difficulties, there's a lot of, for, for people struggling, but for small, medium-sized entrepreneurs like we all are, this is a great opportunity to grab and you can actually to make use of the momentum uh, by just making use of what's available, resources, opportunities, and, and tap into them. So my suggestion is really make yourself visible so that other people can find you because people are in need of, of companies like ourselves to be able to bridge the gap
0: Yeah, I totally agree with Simon. Simon, yeah, I think with big change comes great opportunity, right? Maybe that's a little bit of a variation, but.
6: Yeah, so I totally think this is, uh, I totally agree with Simon. This is a great opportunity. I mean, the pandemic has actually um, given us so many new opportunities that we didn't really think about, and especially e-commerce, it has been booming. And it's not only Amazon, but there's so many other different channels and marketplaces that have come up. Walmart is really pumping in a lot of money into their marketplace as well. And then a lot of, you know, the others like Shopify and there's so many opportunities in, in e-commerce that are emerging. So I think if you're in the right business, if you can identify where the opportunity is, where the specific need is, then this is a great time to start a business. Of course, you don't want to start like a physical business at this time or, a, or a, you know, events or conference business. But, you know, personally for me, for example, I used to host conferences and sourcing trips, but now I've pivoted to virtual events and I'm doing virtual workshops and I'm doing, you know, all sorts of different virtual events that is more difficult to monetize than, you know, physical in-person events, but there are different ways to monetize it. So you, I think you have to be very creative in terms of identifying where the opportunity is and also think differently how you can monetize those opportunities.
2: Thank you, mega. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mike back to you Mike. <laughs> Can you summarize? All right, I, I put the question in the chat for Eno, but I see Ash here again. I don't know if Ash is able
7: Thanks Mike for having me uh, you know it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Ash. I've been based in China for the last almost uh, almost 11 years now in fact. I run a sourcing company called Iomex Sourcing. Uh, like a lot of the other speakers here, you know, help people uh, import products from China, so it's a fully outsourced supply chain solution. Uh, we work with a lot of e-commerce sellers, so that's that's been a core focus over the last 10 years. And and like a lot of other speakers, I've been stuck out of China for the last almost year and a half now. So I'm uh, at the moment in the UK, uh, looking for an opportunity to somehow get back to China, but that's not happening for now because... I think I need two shots of the Chinese vaccine before I can apply for a new visa. So yeah. So but it's it's been interesting times and yeah, very happy to share my experiences of how things are working out during this period.
0: Okay, great. Ash, thanks for thanks for sharing. I know you've been through a lot. I mean, we've been talking through the through this whole period. Uh you've you know, been India and now London and uh yeah, I wish you the wish you the best with everything. I know we've all been through a lot. This year, Thank so you. yeah. Okay, um, Chris, you want to come up? Is it going to work?
8: Yeah, I hope there so. Yes, yeah, so look, hello, All <laughs> right. Mike. Nice thanks, thanks, thanks for. Thank you very much for inviting me along to tonight's session. Uh, So obviously, I'm Chris Thomas. I run a podcast called The Australian Seller Podcast, and I also consult to a lot of companies and brands and individuals as well about how to sell on Amazon, both domestically here in Australia, on Amazon's local marketplace here, but also internationally as well on other Amazon marketplaces. And then I do a bit of e-commerce consulting too, and just on that previous sort of points that uh, Megler and oh, I'm sorry, the other speaker was <laughs> uh, say there, you Simon, know, uh, Simon. Uh, Simon, 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 sorry. Um, it's, I've just been doing some consulting uh, in, a, in the last couple of months actually with a company here that does a gift with purchase type, uh, that, that's their business. So they work with high-end perfume companies and makeup companies and, uh, who else? Uh, like spirit, you know, alcohol spirit companies, and they do like really high-end gifts with the, per, you know, with the purchase of these products to add this, add extra value. And last year, their business completely collapsed, and so I've been helping them to pivot to Megler's point. Um, So now what they want to do is have an offering with a gift with purchase type offer with e-commerce because they've seen that e-commerce is really the way to go. So they're actually branching out. So you're seeing a lot of businesses at the moment which were traditionally fixed on traditional bricks and mortar who are now mainstream going straight into e-commerce and trying to diversify their business as quickly as they can. So, yeah, totally agree with um, everything that's been said previously.
0: Awesome, thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's really a pleasure to have you. I know it's a little bit late for you in Australia now in Melbourne, yeah, so it's really it's appreciated. Fun. Um, I just
8: thought sort I'd of awesome. do an intro as well as make a point there. <laughs> Sorry, about that.
0: no, it's good. I know we we have such an amazing group here. It's we're really we're really honored to have you and others amazing people here. Um, I think let's move to a question I posted in here. Eno started his business right in the middle of the pandemic. We're kind of talking about that earlier about starting or not. Uh, Eno, you started uh your sourcing business like when like may yes. 2021 like so yeah one officially year. company
5: registered may 21 exactly on the same day like today well, <laughs> oh happy birthday happy anniversary, birthday. <laughs> happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the, the que- question there is how, how was it to start the business in the pandemic? Well, just registering the company is uh, same procedure like uh, any time. I was I'm always thinking if the pa- pandemic happened like thirty years ago when there was no so much developed online business. Uh, We can be thankful that we have so many internet things uh, and uh, technology at this level, so it doesn't really disturb so much. Like in the past, when you could only source things physically, when you go to exhibitions, find suppliers, and uh, use yellow pages to find uh, companies, Uh, for now it's Mainly people are more like nervous than it uh, actually had some impact. It had impact more on the companies that do retail, brick and mortar, than uh, that didn't uh, switch to or start, start but all doing any commerce So for me, only so for me, the company was uh, because I registered it in USA, so I didn't have experience how, how to do it. I found online agent to register in Wyoming, send, send my information, then it was all done easy. But ne- next step was uh, getting the te- text number in USA, and I'm not US citizen, then getting the bank account. It was a little bit of challenging, so I wasted wasted like three, four months to have the company operational with a bank account and everything so I can start charging charging for the services. But uh, I was doing uh, sourcing also in, in the past, so I had some cl- clients that I worked with before. So it's, it was not uh, actually like I started from zero like a registered company, then search for the clients. I had experience, I had contacts. Uh, I was doing business when I was in Europe since 2002. So it's easier when you have connections. For somebody that just uh, lost their job and wants to start doing something new in the middle of the pandemic, pandemic, that would be much, much bigger problem
0: okay thank you Eno. thank you for that so we'll also have a roundtable sessions after so everyone in the audience can join to talk more details with you know or other panelists because you know we have amazing people here so we're gonna just try to try to share the stage a bit more um so so I, I want to hear from Christian again. Uh, if Christian, if you're ready, um, I'll put the question put in the box, box. But and maybe I think Rico has this too. But uh, how has travel restrictions forced your deal with clients and sourcing to rely more on your people in China? I don't know if you're ready for that, or, or if you see that question. Is that question something you'd like to answer? I'm just trying to just trying to involve more people.
3: Uh, I think Rico can move with this question. I don't know if it's better uh, fit for the question or I can.
0: Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, if you'd like to give some, and then we can have Rico come after. after if, if you'd like to answer this.
3: Yeah, I was trying to think of how I connected with a uh, Latin American uh, um, situation today. Um, yeah, please. You could share about that. I would love to hear that. To hear that. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that the, in Latin America, uh, the opportunity here is basically we have now hundreds of millions of people, uh, potential clients. I uh, see so this is the, the, what happened in Latin America today. What happened because before COVID, uh, the people was kind of afraid to use the credit card to purchase online. Okay? But during the pandemic, what happened now that the, everyone had to purchase everything from home? And now you can see the numbers that you can anticipate to move the region like two years ahead. Basically, uh, the conversion, if you want to buy purchase something online, is a way better uh, before COVID situation. What is the opportunity here? Basically, um, always the many companies was hesitating of the the power of Latin America and e-commerce side because the conversion was quite poor. Because usually when they try to analyze the data, Latin America was the average data, put everything kind of the same box, right? But now um, every single country, at least the top six countries in Latin America have improved a lot in terms of results uh, if you want to sell there. Um, In terms of the prioritization, uh, if you came to Latin America, uh, all we have to put focus in Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, Chile, Colombia, and Peru. I mean, all those countries making around 80% of the business in Latin America. I think this is a good opportunity for everyone who is kind of uh, bringing you know, making some products, for example, for China, moving to uh, potential new markets. I think Latin America is, the, is booming now in e-commerce. I think it's the, you don't have to wait more time. Uh, I think that the, uh, there are many, and in the expert, I think the more uh, people here in the, in the co are thinking where to sell the product from China, bring it to to South America, to Latin America. I see now is the way. If you want to sell everything online, uh, Latin America is a perfect market today and getting better and better. Uh, I think that the the potential is is here. Um, The conversion for any kind of purchase online is getting better and better. Just to think about it and and from local perspective, not from a global one. be super careful about how you can localize your strategy in Latin. Uh, if you th- if you decide it's okay, I, le- I want to move the products from China to Latin America, uh, let's go local. This is kind of basically what I, I've been doing the last 10 years. You have to differentiate uh, the top countries uh, and not put uh, uh, everything like uh, under Latin America umbrella. If you want to okay. succeed in Latin America, you have to go first, Brazil and Mexico, Portuguese country and Spanish speaking countries, and then roll out your services country by country. I okay. see basically the key.
0: That's great, Christian. And then you'll also be in the round table after the panel, so people can also talk to you at the, the tables afterwards. Yeah, we after have this. a
1: question for right. Christian okay. um, from Catherine Shen. What type of product category do well in Latin America?
3: Uh, today. Anything that you can purchase online is a great moment to sell. That good is the, basically the region. Because uh, before was uh, with the pandemic, was some kind of a little bit complicated for the logistics, right? If you want to move something. But I believe that the Chinese company, they are managing this the last 10 years, and today is not a problem. Basically, you can purchase everything from China and been to Latin America in a kind of a decent time. And couple of weeks, in a week, depending on the, the, how you pay the, the services, right? right? I think it's not kind of a, a friction for any products. It can be software, because easy, right? You don't need to move something to Latin America, and then any products I think is the connected with beauty, technology, everything.
0: Okay, Christian, thank you so much. Um, I just want to make sure we have enough for everybody. We only have 15 minutes left for the panel, but if, we will also have the round tables where each speaker here will have a table and people can talk to Christian or Chris or uh, or Eno or any any of these amazing people after. So also, if, if we didn't get to ask people, you can go to their table afterwards. Um, and Irving, I see your question. We can save that till the end. I think we want to move to Rico next about travel restrictions. I know you've been stuck in Manila, like you said. You were planning to go between China and Philippines for your business. We even did that on the podcast. How how has this all changed your plans and strategy, and and for others too? You know.
4: Hey, um, yeah, I think with with regards to me, I mean, obviously, I had um, I had plans to go back and forth between China and Philippines, but on top of that, I wanted to expand and go to some of the other Southeast Asian countries. Uh, so, if I talk about it from a business perspective, it's. Uh, it was a little bit concerning because we've had some really major projects uh, in, in the last year or so, starting with the PPE craze. Um, but beyond that, we've had you know clients that were really successful during this COVID period and have, have decided to actually expand their operations or uh, start producing new products or larger orders. And what that's done for me is I, it's really stress tested my relationships with my team. Um, so one of my my longest uh, employees who was working with me in my, my apartment before we got out of office, um, she's been with me for four years. And she's actually a senior project manager who will probably become a COO. She, as we speak right now, she's in Qingdao um, going between three, four different suppliers, hiring employees that we're going to have working in these factories on a daily basis. So any, any other situation, I would be there. I would be physically with her. Managing, um, uh, monitoring what was going on, problem solving in real time in the factories, and I've really had to rely on on my staff. So on one as- aspect, it's a little bit scary, but another aspect, she's impressed me a lot. Um, so you know, there's a positive there. And then um, with regards to you know just even logistics and and QC companies and all the other partners that we work with on a typical basis, I've really had to rely on them to to do their job to the best of their ability. Um, so I think that's one aspect. But then on the client side of things, a lot of our clients who maybe uh, prior to the pandemic were the kind of clients who would be in China when they had a big order, they would be in China, they would come for the trade shows, they would be here three, four uh, in China three, four times a year. They've also had to now rely on companies like mine and, and our partners more and more. Um, a lot of our clients are also expanding and wanting to hire their own employees, but they can't physically spend that much time in China or they can't. Go to China unless they get a vaccine or, you know, do a three-week quarantine. So I think from the client's perspective, there's just a lot of reliance on having good partners in, in mainland, I think is one of the biggest things for me. Um, we were a little bit lucky because we, um, we started doing remote work systems in 2019, just because I was traveling a lot. Like I spent half of the year outside of China during that time period. And then we just kind of implemented remote work. So from the internal work system it hasn't really changed but it's definitely been it's it's stress tested those those systems a lot because we you know obviously we rely more in technology zoom and you know uh, we always talk through slack and stuff like that so it's just been a little bit more of that and making sure that everything is structured okay so thanks
0: yeah i know man you well it's almost been a chance to step up these leaders in the company right like you originally were like maybe mentoring them or with them, like you said, but now they have to kind of lead in on their own in your China operation. So hopefully that'll grow your company, you know, long-term. I mean, uh, same for me, really. I mean, Jan and Camille are stepping up, you know, we're trying to step up leaders. You know, we can't, we can't be involved in as much as as leaders as business owners. Right. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Uh, again, this is action packed. You know, we have some amazing people. We only have 10, Ten minutes are left for the panel, but we will have table mode where I believe most of these panelists will be at a table. So you hopefully get an idea of some of these amazing people and you can network with them. Maybe Christian about Latin America, Megalo Indian sourcing. You know, I think we can connect with that's the whole point. We want you to get a little taste of the people at the panel and then follow up with these amazing people in the table mode. Um, so let's look at the questions you know, this is about sourcing and pe- how people have changed in the um, in the times. I, I'm trying to hear a little bit more from Ash or maybe Megla about sourcing. How, you, how have you seen sourcing change? If, if if Ash, if you're here, I'd love to hear, it. especially you. You've okay, been, guys. So you've I think, been, uh, um,
1: Ash, you can, you know, wow. if you have if you want to answer, you have sure. some insights yeah. that you could share. Yeah, you,
7: I, I guess we can. Yeah, you can go on Absolutely. Ahead. So... Uh, great yeah so just just to summarize the question i believe it was uh you know uh what firstly how has sourcing changed during this time but also uh you know uh, i think one of the earlier questions that we discussed was uh, uh like in the ecosystem itself what has changed and i think more importantly what ideally should change so so personally uh for uh what we have found is, you know, in terms of the sourcing itself, not a lot has changed. I mean, of course, people are relying more on online channels, even the Canton Fair, for example, you know, as a business, their focus has shifted from offline to online. They're trying to redirect a lot of their traffic to their online channels and stuff. Uh, But other than that, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of potential for improvement in the ecosystem as a whole. Uh, For example, I think one of the biggest barriers to trade growth from China has been like trade finance. You know, banks are still kind of very, very traditional in how they do business. And and that that's actually one of the biggest barriers to scale because they're very bureaucratic. So so what we have found from our clients during this time is there were a lot of opportunities for scaling quickly. For example, You know, the sales on the e-commerce side have increased a lot. And then there was demand for PPE and stuff. So there were actually a lot of opportunities, but a lot of the times it also required, especially for the really large orders, it required trade finance support and stuff. And that's where the traditional banks have been very slow and bureaucratic. Uh, So so the change that has worked is there are more uh, fintech companies that have come up and they've done really well and they've enabled that trade growth. But uh, I think banks could do more there. But other than that, you know, personally, COVID has had a very little impact in how we do things because what I found is for the initial first couple of months, uh, you know, there was a shock effect and people just stopped placing orders and everything wasn't hold. But gradually people realized that this is the new normal and people adapted to that very quickly. And, you know, that's, that's one thing about Small and medium-sized businesses, especially the largest businesses tend to struggle a little bit more, but, but they adapt. And, and overall, for most of our clients, uh, if anything, you know, they've grown as businesses because I think one reason could be because we work with a lot of e-commerce sellers. And generally, the pandemic has actually kind of helped e-commerce sales because, you know, the, the movement from offline to online has been accelerated even more. But but also in terms of the new opportunities with like PPE and stuff, uh, it's uh, you know it's it's uh, it's grown a lot. Uh, but the the challenge has been more on the supply side as well. So that's that's another point with PP. The biggest challenge has been the suppliers have had uh, the suppliers who have all the certifications have been very challenging to deal with because they've been imposing their own terms. I remember when it first started. You know, if you wanted to source ventilators, people were asking for like $10,000 just to visit the factory, they're like, hey, you have to pay $10,000 in advance. i will give you a meeting at the factory so you can see what we have. And, and there was a lot of fraud going on. That's changed. But even yesterday, we, we placed an order for testing kits, uh, which was actually for the Denmark government. And the supplier's attitude was like everything has to be done on their terms their contract their delivery time and even the inspection you know it was like we were really really limited but it's because the suppliers are in that position so sourcing has been challenging from that aspect until we have enough suppliers with the right set of certifications it's pretty much a supplier's market at the moment you know so yeah <laughs>
6: So yeah, what I was saying, I think one of the things that we noticed was that certain product categories were definitely in high, higher demand than others. So we saw people switching from one category to another. For example, especially for you know sourcing from India, there was a lot of demand for home products, home decor, and furnishings, those kinds of uh, product categories were in high demand, whereas there was less demand for apparel or evening wear or bags, those kinds of things. So that was one. Big change that we saw that there was uh, you know shift in categories, and then the other thing is that um, I'm I'm sort of related and tied to, uh, to the exhibitions industry, and it was uh, unimaginable. I think two years ago, you know, before the pandemic, it was kind of un- unimaginable to do sourcing without Canton Fair, without the global sources fairs in Hong Kong, and you had to like all the major buyers they had to visit Hong Kong and China twice a year to do their sourcing. So it has completely changed the way that you know a lot of these people a lot of these bigger buyers source, they're not dependent on exhibitions and meeting suppliers face to face. And um, of course we've, uh, you know, doing a lot of online sourcing and, and online shows as Ash mentioned as well. Another thing I've realized is that people have diversified their sourcing. And this we heard a lot at the beginning of 2020 when the pandemic started and there was, the supply chains were kind of disrupted in China. At that time people were diversifying and looking at alternative sources, especially India. And, um, you know, now there's disruption in India. <laughs> and now people are looking at other markets as well. So I think it's really uh, brought home the point and you and, um, uh, reiterated that you've got to have supply chain diversification. That's like, really important. Okay, I'm done, Mike. <laughs> Can you see me?
4: Mike, Meghla's done.
0: <laughs> okay, Jan's near. Jan, Jan, Jan. Well, I think the next question is logistics. I'd love to hear about logistics. Uh, I think it's a big problem right now. You know, people are paying two, three, four times higher. So I'd love to get any tips. I think a lot of people today need help with logistics for their business.
2: Awesome. Yeah, let me, so I've, I've been doing uh, cross-border logistics for the last 10 years, more or less. And it's been a nightmare <laughs> the last year for a lot of uh, people involved. Uh, but it's also been a kind of... an uh, Uh, I think this is really a changing point when it comes to obviously a lot of boats are there are less boats in circulation and that's also because nobody wants to carry any empty containers back they only want full containers so there's still like a lot of power with logistic companies particularly the ones the for the not the forwarders but actually the the ones that owning the planes and owning the boats and all this kind of stuff And so the the sea freight is an issue. Air freight definitely is an issue because there are no commercial flights. It's all need to be cargo flights. So you see companies actually buying charter flights just to be able to sustain their existing business. I'm dealing mostly with Europe and China. And what has been really been game changer has been the train. The train has been more popular than ever. And now there's also trucking solutions, trucking from China to Europe which takes three weeks. And I have two drivers in that truck that just drives. And it's, it's been in very high demand just because there's no other, a lot of other options. And that's been, uh, a lot of people are not aware about uh, the truck option. Most are aware about the train option, but uh, the truck has been a little bit less exposed when it comes to deliveries from China to Europe. So I think that's good to mention that that's, uh, that you need to be aware of the availability of this solution. Yeah,
8: Simon, what's the cost of a container at the moment? Say a forty-foot container from China through to the U.S. or indeed into Europe. What do you? What's the average price?
2: Oh, I think now. So before uh, before COVID was like Mm. uh, maybe fifteen hundred U.S. dollar, and now it's actually four to five thousand U.S. dollar to Europe.
8: Yeah, right. Because I'm hearing prices like going up as high as fifteen thousand dollars for a container, yeah, so, from so, China, China to the US, you know. It's
2: yeah, just, uh, it's ridiculous. I also heard eight thousand and more.
8: Yeah. Uh, and we- a lot
2: of my customers are just keeping the stock in the warehouse because it just it doesn't add up. <laughs> they just I keep it Ash, in China. They're not shipping out.
8: I think Ash can maybe chime in as well. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I was
7: just going to say we got quoted at almost twenty thousand dollars for a 40HQ to. Uh, to Europe uh, last week, so that was that was probably the highest quote I've ever seen in my, you know, last ten eleven years in the industry. That was just completely blew
8: my mind off. So Ash, and when's I, it going to get better? When it, when are we going to see prices start to ease? Do you think?
7: I think it's also about what we're finding is if you're willing to wait three to four weeks, you get slightly better prices. Uh, That's, that's, you know, one of the hacks now, but if you're really wanting to ship it like straight away, there's a lot of these clients also want everything urgently, especially because of the, you know, on the PPE side. uh, So they're willing to pay that premium. But I think in terms of when it's going to ease I think it depends on when the borders start to open and when the trade from Europe to China also starts picking up, I think like Simon mentioned, you know, uh, I think because if a lot of these containers are going empty, that means they're factoring in the return cost into their pricing as well. So yeah. that that that's also a huge factor. Um, so- another factor just to add there was, you know, one of the friends who works in supply chain mentioned was a lot of the bigger logistics companies over the last five, ten years have uh, kind of the industry has consolidated. So there are fewer players and a lot of the bigger vessels have gone out of service. And that's also uh, in, in the last six months itself. Quite a few vessels have gone out of service and that's impacted the cost as well
8: i bet it has my um i was going to ask then are you saying that when you actually book a, a container or a shipment it's better to try and get your freight forwarder to book something a little bit further in advance if you can afford to if you can afford to wait and you might get a better rate is that what you're saying is that a, is that the hack
7: absolutely uh, we normally you know when we're two weeks away from production completion we kind of start the conversation and get quotes in and even try and get a booking if we can. But sometimes that itself can be harder because they want a more confirmed booking because, you know, they're, they're under pressure from different clients
8: as well. So I understand.
4: Yeah. Just to add to Ashka's point. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Like with us, when we've gotten some of the higher quotes, it's been, if we wanted to ship out goods immediately, but if we were able to wait a couple of weeks, um, then the, the quotes sort of normalize. So I think that um, a big part is if you can just plan out and uh, an issue a lot of times with clients is like they'll wait till the last minute to to place an order. Yeah. But if they can order a little bit in advance and give themselves a little bit of leeway and, and time and space, then you'll get favorable rates.
8: That's awesome tips right there. That's well worth the price of admission. Thank you. I remember that. Right, okay, back I to think, you, Mike, with the I weather. Think-
0: Back to the weather. It is, it is getting warm here. I don't have to wear a jacket anymore. Uh, I've been wearing a jacket up until middle of May here. <laughs> I, I don't need to wear my father-in-law's jacket. So that's my weather report in Shenyang, China. And uh, I think for the weather report for panel one, I think we're mostly on time. I know we I know it was a lot of amazing people when it was a little bit rushed, but the point is to get a little taste of some knowledge and some information and insights from these experts. I think it was really amazing. So we've already wrapped up. That went really fast, honestly. That was already 45 minutes. Um, I see PJ's question about Mercury. Mercury is in San Francisco, so he'll be on at the uh, panel three. Travis will be here uh, from Mercury. So that will be later. But we're going to move into table mode now. I just want to say thank you to all these amazing speakers. And uh, But I think this is even more fun. You're going to get to go into tables now. So make sure when we end this session, go to the lounge tab if it doesn't take you there automatically. And then you should see different tables. It might not work on mobile. If you're on mobile, it might not work. So hopefully you're on a laptop mode or your laptop. And then you can double click into that table. And this will be another 45 minutes. And then we'll come back to panel two after that at about uh, 7.45 uh, China time. So this will be a good chance for you to talk to all these amazing people. Hopefully you can uh, connect. There's eight people max per table. So if you can't get into the table, hopefully you can find another one. And uh, ask me or Jan or Camille or others on the team if you need any technical or, or connection help. And of course there's a chat, right Jan?
1: Yes. Thank you, Mike. All of you people, care, if you want to follow a specific person like Christian, for example, okay. if you are into Latin America, just sit just on his table. Okay, let's go to the round table. So thank you. Thank you, guys. See y'all there.
0: All right. That was panel one of Cross Border Matchmaker in May 2021. Thank you again for our amazing experts and members in the community. And Like Jan said at the beginning, there were so many amazing people there and we tried our best to, you know, that could have been hours and hours long, right? But, you know, I think still people got a lot of tips and knowledge. I hope listeners today did too.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of of favorites from the speaker um, list that we had. So we did a survey after the CPM event and we had overwhelming responses. So we are sharing that, of course, to our social media channels and make sure to check out the link that we have for the surveys and testimonials for the CPM event.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Thanks, Jan. and I know you've been helping out, making sure we collect all the feedback. From this first online cross-border matchmaker, and and it's been great feedback so far, and I hope people enjoyed this. So I said at the beginning, we we're going to talk about. I think you have a bunch of stuff of mine or the companies, maybe, and yeah, this one, stuff.
1: this one is yours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got there this you from go, my you know?
0: luggage. <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
1: a lot of a lot of this stuff from my workstation is from Mike's luggage. <laughs>
0: right. Oh man, at least it's going to good use. It was sitting in a box, so you know. When, I'm so happy, Jan. Again, I hope you know that you're you're helping me with this show and you know coming on. And and then I, I don't know if it was before or after the luggage, but I was like, you need a microphone. And then I was like, we have a microphone. It's in a box in. Gathier, he's a listener. I'm pretty sure he listens to almost all of our shows. So thank you, Gauthier. He helped me out. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. he helped, he and I think his girlfriend, or I don't know who, helped move out of my apartment in BGC Manila <laughs> because I had to literally evacuate from Bohol to Cebu and I couldn't get back to Manila. That was March 2020.
1: Yeah, this happened in March 2020, 2020 when you went for a retreat in Bohol, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you never got to come back to Manila to pack your
0: things. I still And you,
1: fl- you fly straight back to China?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's obviously, I'm trying to figure how long to make this, but I, I tried multiple times and I kept going to the empty airport. Like I went to Cebu Airport. I bought like an expensive last minute flight and I was staying in like, you know, hotels in Cebu and I went to an airport and a grab and I get to the airport and it was totally empty, like closed. On like a Tuesday morning or something, I think it was like May twentieth or something, March twentieth or something. The grab driver's driving up, and I'm like, "There's no people here." And then I go to the security, and they're like, "Yeah, did you watch the the TV, sir?" I'm like, "TV?" They're like, "Oh, the president said uh, airport." Yeah, because they were
1: too busy, (laughs) too busy with the retreat with our team. (laughs) That's why you have no idea.
0: Well, oh, no, I mean, honestly, I, the president said like that morning, like 8 a.m., 7 a.m., and I had like an 11 a.m. flight, so I don't watch TV. I don't watch TV. So I, I took a grab at like 9 a.m., 9.30. I had like 11 a.m. flight. and then they, But they decided it the morning of. They closed the airport that morning.
1: Well, I'm still glad you were able to fly back to China. <laughs> yeah. Because if not, then you'll be stuck here
0: i barely made it but basically there was multiple attempts so it was that one that was empty and then i i came to the empty airport like two or three times i stayed at friends places i was staying in hotels i was getting kicked out of apartments because of lockdowns and it was most crazy like one week but i could barely mail the key i couldn't mail the key to my apartment Jen. i left the key at my friend josh's apartment i was staying in in cebu because there was no mail no lbc or no, no mail. I couldn't mail my key to Manila. I couldn't go to Manila. I I had to leave a key in Cebu. And then I just caught a last minute flight after like three or four attempts. So finally, Josh mailed my key to Gatier. It was like a month or two later. It was like May last year. And my landlord was all upset because I wasn't paying the rent. And I was, all my stuff was there. And I'm like, man, please just don't steal. I told him like, please don't throw away my stuff. Like,
2: please.
0: <laughs> Can you just not throw away all my things like that microphone and everything? He's like, he was trying to get me to pay rent. I'm like, man, I'm not going to pay rent if I can't even go there. Like, so Gautier went, finally got the key and then he moved all my stuff. Like, I don't know. I haven't asked him, but I left dirty clothes in my apartment. You know, like I had laundry that was there for months. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> like literally I thought I was going to, you know, like me, LJ and Stephanie and our amazing team, Alvin and my others on our team. And I was like, I'll be back. I'll be back in a couple of days. I'll just wash the clothes when I get back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now they're at your place. I don't know. I hope there's no dirty clothes in there. I don't think even open There's up no my-
1: soiled. <laughs> oh
0: no. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I can't imagine the the experience you had, and thinking about it right now, it's very crazy. Were you able to catch the experience on vlog?
0: Yeah, there's a few vlog. I mean, I think there's seven or eight over the time. Like Alvin, you know, Alvin's amazing. He was helping me edit while I I was literally like recording on my camera and uploading it at night while I was in a hotel or a friend's place. And then the next day I would just do another video and upload it overnight. And then, and then we were uploading the videos and everybody's like watching me. Like honestly, one of them, I I really was going to have a breakdown, Jan, seriously. Like I, I, I was going to have a breakdown because I was at another friend's place in Cebu and the security kicked me out because they said no visitor, no visitor. My friend was like, you can stay as long as you want. This Abdul Rahman, he's a really nice guy. He's uh he's from the Middle East. I'm sorry I forget his exact country, but very nice person, very kind. He helped pick me up when I was stranded. And, you know, he says, I have a spare bedroom. You can stay as long as you want, no problem. And I put my stuff there. I unpacked, you know, I, I don't have a lot of stuff, but I put the stuff in the drawer. The next day, I stayed one night. We go to get food. We're going to get cans, you know, for stocking up from like SNR or something, we come back. The security's like, no visitor, no visitor. I'm like, my stuff's in there. They're like, your friend, wait here. He, he he can, only he only the tenant can go. He need pack your thing, bring outside. I was like, man, I was just here like one hour ago. Like, dude, yeah. like, oh, <laughs> uh, and then Didn't they leave just take some, some paper the and they're like, this paper, it's signed by the management. You cannot come in
1: like oh my, my stuff yeah that's really bad was it in a condo though
0: yeah it was a condo
1: yeah the same thing happened to me it's crazy i was renting a condo in cubao and then when i when i came back in october they didn't even let me in you know i was renting the the the, the unit but i i was paying it you know i'm the i'm the renter and they didn't let me in because because of the pandemic, you know, it's a crazy policy that they had. And I was all mad, but I, and I can't, you know, travel back to Cavite right away because I had my laptop, my laptop, my my things upstairs. So oh. I was just, you know, very frustrated. And I know exactly what you feel because I've been there too. Yeah, and
0: I absolutely. hope you don't
1: experience something like that
0: again. And I have a video, I was doing a video camera and But they went with us. The security watched me and made sure that I packed my things and waited for me to pack. And then made the taxi wait and put me into, not put me in, but watched me go into the taxi. And then it was 6 or 7 p.m. I don't know, like a Thursday. I think by now it was like Thursday. Like the airport was, I came back from Bohol on a ferry with Alvin. You know, I get to Cebu. I take a hotel. I book a flight. The airport's closed. I I can't stay in an Airbnb or a hotel. And then I I try to stay in my friends. And then I get I. They watch me pack my stuff. And then he's like, he felt so bad. He's such a nice person. I still you know keep in touch with him. And he's like, Mike, where will you go? I'm like, I don't know. It's like 7 p.m. on a Thursday. and It's getting dark. You know, and I'm going into a taxi. I don't know where I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm like. They don't want, you know, like hotels are not letting foreigners in. Like I can't get Airbnb anymore. I can't go into a condo. I can't go to my friend's place. Like I, the taxi was just driving me around. And and I almost had a breakdown in that taxi. I was sitting in the backseat of taxi and I didn't know where to go. He was just drive. I just told him just drive. And I, I just put my hotspot on and my laptop, you know, my phone. I put hot. 4G hotspot and I was searching for hotels and trying to think of where to go. LJ was talking to me in text messages. She's trying to help me get to the embassy. You know, and everybody thinks it's so great to be an American, right? And you know what American Embassy did for me? What? They gave me a 20% coupon to a five-star hotel.
1: Oh, but were you able to?
0: i could i didn't want to spend it? 25 20 off it's it was like you know a pfizer hotel like by the airport was like really expensive they're like this is all we can do i'm like can you please help me get to manila can you please help me get to manila i need a, i need to get back to manila and then they're like sorry we don't have any you know planes or you know maybe there's the department of tourism dot called his phone number the department of tourism And then they're like, maybe there's a military plane. I'm like, I can't stay anywhere. They're like, oh, we can stay at this hotel. I'm like, that hotel is so expensive. You want me to get locked in there for two weeks, you know, or like a month paying every day in a hotel and I can't go anywhere? Like, yeah, I mean, just this makes me all... Yeah,
1: I'm curious, though, so what happened after that? How did you...
0: My I, I, you know, my friend Josh. He's a Amer- American guy in Cebu. I couldn't get a hold of him for a while. <sighs> Finally, he re- got back to me when I was sitting in a restaurant, like an empty restaurant. I, uh, I got a hold of him, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, I work at night. I just woke up. It was like 8 p.m. or something." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you can stay at my place. I don't stay in a condo. I stay in like a house. Like he was in those. He has like a." They're like self-standing houses. So he says it's different than a condo. Condo is is more strict. So he had these, you know, these like, I don't want to say small, but it was a nice house. But it was like kind of like a suburb houses. I don't know. You, maybe you know what this is called. They're like these. Anyway. No, I'm not sure. Anyway, he's like, they, sec, there's no security. Each house is separate. So you can just come here. I just went there and I got another taxi and I went there and then. And then, uh, yeah, I I kind of stayed in his daughter's bedroom. I felt bad because he put his daughter in the living room <laughs> or something. And it was like, you know, princess pictures on the, it was like a princess bed and there's like princesses on, it was like a pink room. I'm like, this is, like oh, don't worry, man. Just stay as long as you want. Here, here's a towel, you know, here's, I was like, this is crazy, man. It's crazy. And so I, I luckily uh, we got a last minute flight, like, Three days later for but I, I had to go to the airport like almost every day because they're like you come to the airport. I'm like, come to the airport, like can't you tell me that there's an airplane? Or like we, there was one time it was so funny. Mormons, it's like a religious group of people, Mormons. I don't know if you know Mormons, they there was like a notice on Facebook. There's two planes from Cebu to Manila. There's two planes. Just go to the airport. LJ is like, go to the airport, just go, just go. I was like I just grab a grab, like go, and they booked uh, this religious group booked the whole plane. They just bought every ticket on the plane, and I mean I don't know why I shouldn't. Why does it matter? It's Mormons or religious, but they basically booked the whole plane for their group. So I I get there and I'm like, and you know I have my vlog, right? So I'm like, hey, what's up? They're like, no camera. We said no camera, no camera, Uh, no no press, no PR. I was like, man, I'm just a YouTube dude like what's up he's like oh so sorry we, we we had to book this plane for our our members our i'm like oh and i just had to go back to josh's apartment and it was like that like for days finally i got a flight to china and through korea i had to stay one night in korea i was so scared i was gonna get stuck in korea because you had to leave i left the airport because i didn't want to sleep on the floor in the airport so I left at some kind of Airbnb place, and then I was like, "I hope I get back into the airport. I hope I get back into the airport. I hope I get back." You know, I they're like, "Yes, you can come back. Yes, you can come back." I'm like, "Please." So that I got back, and I got on my flight, and I got to China, and there's so much more. I mean, there's just so much more, but I think people can get the gist but then i had to you know i was like the only i think there was maybe some koreans and mostly all chinese people going on this flight because it was not like a foreign city like where i am it's like very local chinese city so it was just me like i'm the only non-chinese or non-korean there was like maybe three or four or five koreans and like a plane of chinese people and i'm like oh this is and then you know they like were so strict you know China's so strict about the COVID, right so you i land and then we just sat on a plane in the runway for like two hours. I'm like, "Hello, like we're not moving. We're sitting here." Like, and then all these people come up in the in the suits with the masks and they're like, and they're screaming in Chinese, giving everybody so many pieces of paper. Uh, I, I had so many papers. They're just giving us like paper. I had four papers I had to fill out in Chinese, and I'm like, sitting next, is, you know, it's just out of control. And then I was in the airport all day, basically, and. And then I got to quarantine and uh, they didn't even give yeah. me food. They just gave me some bread and water. I'm like, man, I was going to go crazy. Anyways, that's I think it. this is
1: the new normal and we have to accept the fact that we have to go through this in order to overcome this, you know?
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's just the way it is. But we're trying to adapt. Like, I'm happy we did a Cross-Border Matchmaker online. We've been waiting because we want to kind of, I know a lot of our members, I guess everybody prefers in-person, but I think people like that event. So I guess, yeah, let's, we're planning to do that maybe three months. I guess we penciled in August, Mm -hmm. sounds, you know, end of the summer, maybe end of August, same style. We, of course, collecting all the feedback, but I think, I think the format was mostly okay for the event and we'll just have to all get used to this new normal, right?
1: Yeah. So we're going to have the, the CBM, the next CBM plan laid out in the next couple of weeks. And yeah. um, oh, you God. viewers just keep on um, watching out for the, for the news and events for GFA.
0: Yeah. Oh, of course. Right
1: now we are, we are working on GFA Kids.
4: yeah It's an mean. ongoing
1: uh, program right now.
0: Yeah.
4: If you want to
1: check on the details, you can check kids.globalfromasia.com. Great. And you can you can check on the the details for GFA kids if you want to enroll your kid for any of our classes. You are welcome to do so. And also, we are we are we want to be supported by you guys. So we also offer sponsorship if you want to to support the, this program for the kids. So we can give give out um scholarships. You are very much welcome to do so. We we want to expand this initiative from our from the our team member Anne. She yeah. initiated this program, so we're very thankful for Anne and of course Mike for making the making it happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you know me by now, Jan. I think a lot of people. I have uh, so many ideas and things I want to do and do so many things. <laughs> I guess it's good and it's bad, but we're, I appreciate Anne for helping make it happen because it's been something we've wanted to do for a long time. And, and we had, yeah, the orientation, we did a test one. I did a test session last week and I don't know. I think it's really, hopefully, you know, even just a few handful of kids, I think it will make a positive impact on the world. Right. And hopefully we can help even more. So yeah, it'd be great if members or, you know, listeners or sponsors want to support this more, you know, is this the first one we're testing like always and learning, but yeah, I would love to get in touch with us. I guess the best is emailing blog at global I think that goes to, goes to both of us and uh, you know, we could help, help, help them out if they're interested.
1: Thank you, Mike. And of course we have the GFA VIP membership. You want to, you want to share something about the GFA VIP so that they have the overview of what to expect if they join
0: the membership. Sure, sure. So, you know, the membership has been something we've been working on over the years just to give, we don't want to take away from the free stuff. Like we don't want to like charge for these podcasts or other content. So we want to keep a free, always have some free but the VIP is for the paid, for the premium. We have, well, we had the NFT workshop after the CBM where it was a small group of people that really enjoyed getting some extra knowledge and insights and then access to our forum. Our members-only groups are, and we're working on more. We're giving special NFTs, which I know are so, even for me, still kind of new, but we're testing that. And I think the first group of users in the NFTs will all probably be the most valuable long-term as an investment. Of course, I know it's highly early and speculative, but that's one other benefit we're we're giving members. But essentially it's access to, you know, like people at CBM, right? They were asking you and me, like, how do I talk to this person or that person? Or, you know, that's what our community and, and like you and others on our team will help our members connect and introduce. Of course, you know, others can try to find these people and connect with them, but our membership is really, like it says, VIP. So we take care of our members. We also want to include them more and you know help promote them uh, more in our cross border matchmaker events in the future and other other sessions we do.
1: Right. So if you want to learn more about the GFA VIP membership, you can go to gfavip.com and I hope to see you on the inside.
0: Yeah, let's do it. All right. That's a wrap. I'm really again thanks Jan for helping me out with these shows and uh, and being so supportive in the community. Let's see everybody next time.
1: Thank you everyone for tuning
0: in to Global From Asia podcast 352. Yeah, 352. And it's globalfromasia.com slash war stories. War stories. (laughs) Because they are. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.